0: Welcome to SCI Science Perspectives
1: and BladderBuzz,
0: a podcast brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. In this podcast, we'll be discussing emerging literature spanning the full spectrum of SCI research from discovery to clinical application. You're listening to a Community Perspectives episode with Parag Gad. I'm Marla.
2: And I'm David. Today, we have a special crossover episode with Bladderbud podcast host, Dr. Amanda Rounds. Welcome, Dr. Rounds. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little about the Bladder Buzz podcast and where people can find you?
1: Yeah, happily. So, Bladder Buzz was launched in 2019. It brings together physicians, researchers, and individuals living with neurogenic bladder. Our podcast is designed for clinicians, scientists, non scientists, adults, kids, and everyone in between. We explore advancing research and personal stories covering not only neurogenic bladder, but all aspects beyond the bladder that affect those with spinal cord injury or diseases. Find BladderBuzz on major podcast platforms, give us a listen, and subscribe.
2: Thanks so much for being here. Today, we will be discussing an ongoing clinical trial entitled Spinal Cord Neuromodulator by Spinex and SCONE to treat neurogenic bladder, or the SCONE-Continence clinical trial multi-site that began in May of 2022. Our guest to discuss this topic is Parag Gad. Parag has more than 15 years of preclinical and clinical research and product development experience, both in academia and startups, and is interested in translating basic science into products that improve the quality of lives of individuals. He completed his basic bioengineering training from Mumbai, India, Before pursuing his master's and PhD from the University of California, Los Angeles, specializing in neuroengineering, Parag has co-authored over 75 scientific papers and holds over 10 patents since 2019. Parag has been leading SpineX Incorporated, a clinical stage bioelectric med tech company developing non-invasive tools for patients with unmet clinical needs. Welcome,
3: Parag. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for having me here. Really excited to share with you all the SpineX story. Great. So there's certain companies that like
2: I know about, my friends and chairs know about, and like SpineX. Do you guys have any other products, or are you guys kind of new to the market? Tell us a little bit about the history.
3: Yeah, we're we're a clinical stage company. We spin out from uh, uh, Dr. Reggie Edgerton's lab at UCLA. I have been personally associated with Reggie now for about 15 years. Uh, he was my PhD mentor uh, while, while I was at UCLA, um, and uh, in late 2018, early 2019, we had the crazy idea to uh, dive in and form a company and and bring our technology to market, which is when uh, I convinced our other collaborator, Dr. Anthony Craden, to come on board, and the three of us together formed Spinex. Um, uh, we are a young company. We've been active for about five years. Uh, we begin with neurogenic bladder and the scone device as our first indication, but heavily uh, developed a platform technology and have already diversified our product in towards a pediatric uh, device and are looking at um, movement disorders in children with cerebral palsy. Um, and and uh, you know, we have a, a second device in the pipeline called Skip.
0: That's great. Um, so when I see Spinex or I see you know that this device is coming on the market and it's a neuromodulator. Now that's kind of a, a little bit of a foreign concept maybe for a lot of people. Can you explain what neuromodulation is? What somebody that may be undergoing a trial or using that type of technology may experience?
3: So neuromodulation, so we've really developed a complex set of electrical waveforms. That allows us to deliver these very low intensity electrical pulses into the spine without causing any superficial pain or discomfort, and we do this in a completely non-invasive and non-surgical manner. Now, stimulation tens uh, devices may sound familiar, and you may imagine, you know, finding one on Amazon for hundred bucks. This is not the same. Uh, Spinal neuromodulation is really a very unique concept that uh, our team has developed that allows us to deliver these. Uh, electrical pulses to the spinal cord without causing any superficial pain or discomfort. Now, when you look at how this operates and how this functions, due to a spinal cord injury or uh, stroke or any other neurological trauma, the communication or the nerve signals that are flowing up and down from the brain to the spine are inhibited or are reduced in in, in function. Uh, but they, they are present, they're dormant, they're weak. What the neuromodulation does is it amplifies some of these nerve, weak nerve signals that are present in the nervous system, allowing the brain to be reconnected with the rest of the body to restore function. Essentially, imagine a hearing aid, but instead of for your ears, this is a hearing aid for your spinal cord, and a pacemaker, instead of for your heart, for your spine. So when you take a, a pacemaker with a hearing aid, you get scone.
1: That's great. Thanks for describing it with a commonly used device that a lot of us know about already. Um, So something that I hear a lot with patients that want to get into trials like this, they don't know how that even works. So can you explain how possibly they can get access to a clinical trial like this or find information on it um, and where they should go to look?
3: All the information related to the ongoing SCONE contents trial is uh, easily available on our website, uh, www.spinex.co, and under clinical trials, we list the details of the clinical sites that are actively recruiting for the trial, So, and the the contact information of the, um, the person that's responsible for that site. So if there is a site that is close to you that you know you want to reach out to, feel free to reach them. Uh, If you can't find one and want to reach us directly, uh, the best email address for us is info at spinex.co. You can send us an email and one of us will be glad to get back to you with information related to the trial. Um, And if you need to talk to someone, one of us can definitely uh, have a conversation with the individual interested to talk about the trial, uh, provide more information that they're looking for, answer questions that they may have.
2: That's great, Parag. So we know that you've already collected a bunch of data on this trial, and congrats! But let's say someone qualifies, and you know they're at a site and they start. So, what does that look like for them, like them using this
3: device? What's that going to look like? So, the trial is uh, uh, lasts for twelve weeks of treatment. Um, so, they need to come into the clinic a couple of times a week for a period of twelve weeks. So, it is a uh, a commitment from from their end um, in terms of the presence at the clinic. Um, The expectation is for them to come in, do the initial assessment. If they meet the required criteria and are officially enrolled into the trial, they'll be receiving treatment an hour a day, twice a week for a period of 12 weeks. And the end of the uh, 12 week period, um, there'll be another round of assessments to determine the changes that occurred in the bladder, bowel and sexual function outcomes that we're looking for. Um, The the hope uh, is uh, for, for these individuals to potentially continue on into a second phase sometime in the future where we'll be doing a home based trial so they can then continue the therapy at home and wouldn't have to come into the clinic as frequently
2: great so let's say i'm using this device so i turn it on and then i p is that how it works Um,
3: no not uh, not not as not as, uh, not as simple as that uh, <laughs> unfortunately uh, the the, the, the we are leveraging uh, the fact that bladder is is an automatic organ and is you know functioning twenty four seven. so when you, when you when you receive treatment an hour a day twice a week, so it's just two hours of therapy or a, you know hundred plus hundred forty hours of the week. Uh, the, what this does is it, it induces a concept called neuroplasticity wherein the the nerves uh, are able to improve function and are able to retain this improved function even when therapy is not actively delivered. So you, the focus for the trial is to improve symptoms of neurogenic bladder, including urgency to urinate, the frequency of urination, uh, sin, lack of sensation of fullness of bladder that these individuals live with, um, and which often leads to urinary incontinence. So we, we're trying to improve fun- the function on multiple aspects of neurogenic bladder. So when they receive therapy, most individuals, um, start to observe some changes after a few treatment sessions. So uh, the first treatment session, you may or may not feel anything. You may or may not observe any changes. Uh, it's only after a few repeated sessions is when you start you know, observing some differences. But more importantly, these differences are observed not only when you're in the clinic, but at home in the absence of active therapy. That's really the key. The fact that you're able to retain the simple function even after you leave the clinic and are back home when your bladder is functioning more normally.
1: So something I hear a lot from patients when it comes to these neuromodulation trials, because we've done quite a few different ones, bladder related, not bladder related. um, They're always very concerned about like side effects or if it's going to hurt or anything um, of that nature. Has there been any type of side effects or discomfort associated with the stimulation that you guys are providing?
3: In all of the pilot studies that we've done so far, we've not had any serious adverse events associated with the the therapy. Um, uh, We've had uh, redness of the skin around the site of stimulation, uh, which is very similar to what you'd observe with the TENS unit, uh, which generally dissipates after a few minutes. Um, Other than that, uh, we've not had any major adverse events to report. Uh, In terms of sensation and comfort, the neuromodulation intensity is always maintained at a sub motor threshold, and what I mean by that is it does not induce any muscle twitches or contractions in any of the muscles. The individuals may feel the therapy, may feel the the buzzing on their back, um, but wouldn't uh, wouldn't necessarily induce any contractions. And why is that important? Because when it is at a sub motor threshold, the chances and likelihood of the, it being uncomfortable are further minimized. The therapy in our case is, since it's sub-threshold, is is very, very comfortable based on, you know, feedback you receive from patients. Uh, A lot of them, uh, you know, when they're receiving therapy, they're they're comfortably seated in a sofa chair or their wheelchair. Um, They sometimes fall asleep and they often call it a relaxing massage. So this by no means is uh, an uncomfortable position that we want to put the users in and uh, drive them away.
0: So you're doing all this work, tons of research that goes into creating this clinical trial in the hopes, I'm sure, that eventually that you can get your product out to actually help the people that can utilize it. So can you tell us just what your vision would be ideally for this product and once it actually transitions from the phase of being in a clinical trial to the populations that can utilize it um, and how it will be applied for these people?
3: so if 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 i had my way and my my vision uh, and i'm i'm gazing into a crystal ball here i really would want scone to be the standard of care treatment for neurogenic bladder bowel sexual function where once you've had a had a diagnosis of uh, neurogenic bladder uh, you'd get a prescription for a scone device and uh, you'd go into a, a clinic someone would help s- set you up on the scone device show you how to use it do a few sessions in clinic to ensure that it's safely delivered uh, and then you're able to take it home um, and self-deliver therapy at home on a prescription based on the prescription that is provided to you, uh, allowing you to del you know safely deliver therapy, make it effective, um, ensure that it is optimized for you and personalized for you. And every four weeks, six weeks, go back into the urologist's office and get reassessed and get the the device recalibrated for your needs at that time.
2: Yeah. That's a beautiful vision. We all hope it works out. You know, we know as scientists that sometimes science will break your heart, but it seems like you guys have some really good lead-in data to this. And um, let's say, you know, I uh, help people to find these trials or I'm living with spinal cord injury. I'm on clinicaltrials.gov or maybe SCI trialsfinders.org or SCI trialfinder.net. Sorry, I always mix those up. And I'm looking, most of the protocols I see are just spinal cord injury, and this one looks different. So can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah. So, so uh, bladder is uh, uh, a very interesting and unique organ. And uh, you know the presentation of the condition, the symptoms are very similar in multiple pathologies, including stroke, SCI, multiple sclerosis, uh, Parkinson's in some cases, traumatic brain injury uh, in some cases. So uh, what we've really been able to identify is a uh, a subset of this population that have similar presentation of the symptoms. In this case, it's SCI stroke and MS, um, and are able to deliver uh, are able to recruit these individuals, um, with the same protocol, um, monitor the same outcomes to demonstrate safety and efficacy. So you know when you look up uh, on on clinicaltrials.gov or any other you know online re- platform and resource. Uh, we do stand out in the, in some sense because of the uh, really wide net that we have cast in, in terms of our inclusion criteria.
0: So just to back up a little bit, um, kind of going off of, you know, somebody that is sort of new to this world of a clinical trial, right? So they see your company and they see, they go on the website and they see, we're currently in a clinical trial with this device. What exactly does that mean that somebody's in a clinical trial and why is it important to go through that step of having a clinical trial um, when you're introducing this new technology um, for something like neurogenic bladder?
3: As a, as a um, being getting a little technical here, but as a class two um, non-significant risk device, uh, based on fda's classification uh, it essentially defines uh, the category that we fall into and what the fda would would consider and look us uh, would consider us as so as a class 2 device there is uh, it's non invasive it's external uh, it's non implantable uh, it has minimal risk in in terms of the the device itself um, however since it is a, it is a, an actual therapeutic device with that is based on pres- prescription uh, it does require clinical data for us to demonstrate safety and efficacy to the regulatory bodies, in this case, the USFTA. So the objective of the clinical trial is to establish um, the safety and efficacy in a, in a population that we eventually want approval for, uh, with a sufficient number of individuals that are in the trial to demonstrate uh, statistical and clinical significance. Uh, this is not something that we've come up with overnight. The, the trial protocol, the outcomes uh, is a culmination and the result of probably 10 plus years of uh, basic work done by the team and the culmination of hundreds and hundreds of uh, individuals that have been part of other studies that have led us to where we are at today. So this is really a, um, this is the tip of the iceberg uh, in terms of the effort that has gone into you know bringing this product to market and uh, with one single point agenda and objective, which is to demonstrate safety and efficacy for this population in an un in, Unbiased and independent way, uh, with the trial being conducted at sites that are in you know, outside of the company.
2: Yeah, thanks so much for that, Parag. It's actually an evidence-based statement to say that people with spinal cord injuries. We know there's other conditions on the study, but one of the reasons they participate in clinical trials is to benefit people like them in the future. It's actually the third highest incentivizer, which is kind of beautifully altruistic. I mean, they might be getting tomorrow's medicine, sure but it's really cool that people also understand that they're helping to generate what we call evidence. Um, so after the study wraps up, let's say, can you talk a little bit about the commercialization timeline and maybe when clinicians or patients would expect to get access? Uh,
3: with the, the trial is uh, hoping to be completed by the, uh, by the spring of 2024. Um, so we're looking at about a, a three to four month timeline to complete the trial. And uh, we're we're expected to be in front of the FDA by the end of this year, maybe early next year, uh, leading to uh, the launch of the product in 2025. So if 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 everything goes to plan and if our uh, all the all the stars line up, then the Scone device should be available to clinicians to prescribe by next year, and for individuals to purchase and to buy next year.
0: Any. You mentioned sort of at the beginning that um, you guys may be getting into movement disorders and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about you know your second product that um, you mentioned earlier and some future directions that you may expect for Spinex?
3: So cerebral palsy is the most commonly seen movement disorder in the pediatric population. So you, you have children uh, that uh, live with a condition, and they're about you know, between 500 and 800,000 children in America, in about one in three hundred, born with a condition called CP, uh, where they're unable to sit upright, hold their neck up, uh, walk on their own, uh, or, or or live with in a significant amount of spasticity. So there's multiple uh, aspects of CP that that already exists. As a platform technology, uh, we've really been able to leverage uh, the, the existing technology and uh, create a pediatric specific product called Skip that helps treat CP and helps children with CP learn how to sit upright, walk, and take steps on their own. Uh, this uh, device skip has been recognized by the US FTA as a breakthrough device based on some of the early pilot work that we have presented to them. Uh, and we're hoping to have a multi-center trial for FDA approval um, begin sometime in the middle of 2024. And the objective would be for um, uh, a child with CP to deliver, to receive skip therapy, while undergoing standard of care physical therapy in a pediatric uh, uh, physical therapy environment, which is a safe environment for them, um, and uh, demonstrate improved function, not only when they're receiving therapy actively, but also at home in the absence of active therapy.
2: Yeah, that's great. I'm sure all the listeners will be following this space for a very dynamic neuromodulation company that Parag has told us is not just about stimulating, but about coordinating and across different functions like bladder and then movement too. So thanks so much Prague, for coming on. Uh, it was great speaking with you today.
3: Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and uh, we're really excited to you know uh, uh, for the to, for the challenges and the and the, the road ahead of us. So um, you know I appreciate the opportunity to share the spining story. Thank you for listening to
2: this episode of SCI Science Perspectives, brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. The podcast is made possible by the leadership of Dr. Suzanne Groh, your producer hosts, David McMillan and Marla Petriello, our editor, Abby Fox, production assistant, James Conception, and Asia's front office. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please contact us at podcast at gmail.com.